Welcome, everybody. Welcome to Parkview. Welcome to online. Glad to have you here. Uh, I, I, I said last night, I said, man, I'm, ho I'm sorry if you're disappointed that uh, there's not pina coladas here today. And uh, then Pastor Richie sent me a picture from the New Lenox campus, and they actually do have pina coladas at the New Lenox campus today. So at New Lenox, welcome you guys. Glad you get the pina coladas and we don't. It was good to be with you last weekend. Uh, good to see Homer Glen campus. I got to dig into the new building a little bit this week and see what's going on. Welcome to those of you who are on online on Facebook Live. We're really glad to have you here. And, and hey, this is not just, uh, it's not just for married people, okay? It's for relationships, period. I know that it feels weird to you sometimes if you're single and you're watching us or you're here and, and you're like, yeah. They're doing a relationship thing. Uh, my guess is that you want to be in a relationship someday, even if you aren't now. Although, by the end of this series, you may be just like, nah, I'm good. But <laughs> we'll, we'll walk you through it, okay? Because it takes a lot of hard work. It is, uh, relationships are pretty much the opposite of any Hallmark Christmas movie that you've ever seen. Is that, isn't that right? I mean, uh, that's why your life likes them so much. They're just fairy tales with live acting. That's really all they are. So if you're not familiar with the song... I just figured it would be easier for you to hear a little bit from Jimmy Fallon with the heckler. Uh, the heckler thing is great on Saturday Night Live. I love it. Uh, so here's the lyrics. I was tired of my lady. We've been together too long. Like a worn out recording of a favorite song. Me and my old lady had fallen into the same old dull routine. I'm laughing at myself as I'm thinking about this message today because uh, my wife and I recently celebrated 35 years of marriage. Thank you very much. Love you, babe. Um, but we didn't celebrate it, actually. It just kind of happened, you know. Um, we spent the weekend sleeping on the floor of our granddaughter's room in California with her in it. And, um, and we went directly from there to a pastor's conference and had dinner on the night of our anniversary with 75 pastor couples. That's how it went. And, and you might be like, that sounds like the pina colada song waiting to happen, PT. Don't worry, okay. We had a great February. We took some other trips, um, just not on our exact, you know, anniversary. And we have an empty nest. So really, every night is date night, you know. Every room is a naked room. It doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> So, so, so we're not stuck. We're not in this. I'm sorry for that image. I, we're, we're, we're not stuck at all. As a matter of fact, probably the best thing for our marriage would be some same old dull routine right now because that's just not the way our life is. But, but, but we've, we've been stuck before and we might be stuck again. And it can happen to you in a long-term relationship like the Pina Colada song where you get comfortable and you quit trying. Uh, and it's a communication issue we're going to talk about today. Or it can happen to you if you're single. And you get in a relationship and you get stuck and you move to the next relationship and you keep doing the same thing over and over again expecting different results. What is that? That's the definition of insanity, right? It doesn't matter who you're with. If you don't communicate, if you don't do this well, you're going to end up in the pina colada song. So... <laughs> With fear and trepidation, I'm going to show you an Andy Stanley uh, illustration about what the problem is. And I say fear and trepidation because if, if you don't understand how dangerous it is to use live props, go watch last night's Saturday Night Live uh, weekend update. They had raw meat 
and uh, they were doing this funny thing from Smokery Farms, and evidently the raw meat had been sitting out all day, so it smelled really bad, and they're alive on TV trying to figure out what to do with this smell going on. you got to watch, okay? I'm going to do it this way. We all come with hopes and dreams and desires. As we come into a relationship, we all come with hopes and dreams and desires, all right? Like, for example, when it comes to money. What are my hopes and dreams and desires for this relationship? Uh, are we going to have lots of money? Are we going to have dual income so that we can have more money? Is one of us going to stay home? Is that going to be me? Are we going to live on a budget because I've been through FPU and Dave Ramsey's my hero and I'm going to do that? Or is it, no, I'm not going to be, in a, I, but I was on an allowance when I was a kid. I'm not doing that. If I want a new car, I'm going to lease it. I don't care. You know, I mean, that, that, those are hopes and dreams and desires each of us bring along the way. Um, what about kids? Are we going to have kids? No, not going to have kids. Oh, yeah, we'll probably have one kid, two kids. Oh, no, I want a basketball team. Oh, oh, no, I was Catholic. I want a baseball team. Oh, no, I like the Duggars. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you got, we all bring these to the relationship. Or, or when it comes to our time, how much time are we going to spend together? And, and this is a personality thing because my wife is an introvert and she really needs alone time. And after 35 years, I still have to figure out how to help her find some alone time. And, and, and then I don't, you know, so how much time are we going to be together? How much is there going to be Netflix? How much is there going to be Netflix and chill? How much is chill and how much is Netflix? You know what I'm saying? That these are all things that, that we have to work out. And, and then we got the calendar. So like the bigger things, like what are we going to do with our schedule? Vacation. What are we going to do with holidays? This is big for our kids because none of our kids, we have three daughters and none of them live around here. One lives in Nashville and two live in L.A. So, so holidays are really important. So I told my girls, listen, you're the girl. This is your call. I mean, isn't that right? I mean, the, the, this is, I mean, like I pay for the wedding and I get the right holidays. This is how it goes. So we get Thanksgiving, we get Christmas, we get Memorial Day, Easter I don't care about, I have to work anyway. We get Memorial Day and Labor Day and Fourth of July. They can have Arbor Day and Halloween and Groundhog Day. My son-in-law's from England. They can have Boxing Day. I promised them if they'll adopt a kid from Latin America, they'll get Cinco de Mayo, whatever, okay? Uh, that, that's how it works, right? And how about this? We all have dreams and hopes and desires about what our wife will wear to bed. <laughs> and this is not it. And she's thinking, well, I just want to be comfortable. He just wants me to be comfortable, right? He doesn't care. Wrong. <laughs> what, what about when it comes to conflict and conflict resolution? What are we going to do with that, okay? Well, my family just yelled. We were, we were Italian, man. We just yelled and screamed and got it all over with, and that was it. And then we went on. Well, that was not my family. We didn't argue. We didn't, we, you know, are you a skunk or are you a turtle? That depends on your personality, and it depends on how you were raised. My friend Les Parrott said, if you're like most couples, you will try to follow a script that was written by the role models you grew up with. Being aware of this natural tendency is often all it takes to save you from disappointing drama. That's so true. I mean, your family of reference is going to be the thing that's going to, to, to do all this for you. So here's what happens. Again, this is Andy Stanley's illustration. I loved it. At some point in the relationship, when you're dating, when you get engaged, when you get married, maybe a little bit after when you get married, at some point along the way, we can't help ourselves. We essentially take our box of hopes and dreams and desires and we say, here, I want you to make 
my hopes and dreams and desires to come true. I mean, the reason I asked you out, the reason I said yes when you asked me out, the reason I married you is because I need you to fulfill these for me. But, of course, the problem is when we hand somebody our box of hopes and dreams and desires, it's not their hopes and dreams and desires. They have a different angle at this. So to them, it really just feels like expectations. It just feels like a weight. It feels like a responsibility. And at some point, you end up in a situation where this is predominant in your relationship. Grandmother overheard her granddaughter playing Barbie and they were doing a wedding and the wedding vows went like this. You have the right to remain silent. (laughs) Anything you say may be used against you. You may have the right to an attorney. You may kiss the bride. This is where we start. And and if this is where we start, maybe you never thought of it this way. This is the problem. And if if we're not careful, it'll go downhill from here very quickly as we start dumping our expectations on the other people. And and I'm going to tell you, there's never been a couple whose hopes and dreams and desires all lined up perfectly. All right. Usually the dating process is a part of that. And you want to try to figure out what those things are. And this is why I think it's really important if you're a believer that you date a believer's so that your hopes and dreams and desires are in that same category. But the irony of the Pina Colada song, in case you've never heard it, he, he, he finds a, a personal ad from a woman, a dating ad from a woman, and it sounds like she's looking for exactly who he is. So he answers the ad, decides to meet her, meets her, and who walks in? But his old lady, Right. The, the two that were supposed to be together were already together. They were just really stupid, okay? They didn't have half a brain. They were headed for disaster because they dis, just didn't communicate with each other. They were going to give up and go find somebody else, but they were already with a person that was really very compatible. And it's so dumb to me because it happens over and over in these situations. Somebody's in a marriage, somebody's in a relationship, and they're like, well, I, I, they're not meeting my hopes and dreams and desires because it feels like expectations to them, they're not meeting those needs, so surely somebody else is out there that will. And they go to another person, and after a while they figure out that that person wasn't going to do it either. We're going to come back to this in a later sermon, but I want you to understand the divorce rate for second marriages is higher than the divorce rate for first marriages, and the divorce rate for third marriages is higher than the divorce rate for second marriages, and this is how it goes, because it doesn't take very long to figure out that nobody else is going to be able to really meet all of your hopes and dreams and desires. But if we don't communicate about them in the first place, they're really never going to be able to meet them because your spouse can't read your mind. So the guy answers the ad. This is just fun. Let me, let me, just, let me just show you. There, there was this, uh, there, there's this guy that decided to do the stats on this. He's a data journalist named James Ball, and he ran the stats on this, and here's what he found. Only 34% of men like pina coladas, Okay. Would you agree with me, guys? I mean, you know, I mean, I'd rather have something else and the umbrella makes me, you know, not feel masculine or whatever, okay? Uh, Only 27% men like getting caught in the rain, okay? I agree with this. Pina colada is not my favorite. And I don't, what kind of an idiot likes getting stuck in the rain? Come on. Only people on a Hallmark Christmas movie like getting stuck in the rain. 
Uh, 81% of men are not into yoga, okay? That kind of threw the thing back open again. I, I mean, I don't know if, if you've done it. I, I love this because I do yoga because it helps my, it helps my back, my arthritis. It's really good for you. And, and right now, Coach Z from Lincoln Way East, my friend and Parkview guy, uh, he's a coach at Lincoln Way East. He makes the guys do yoga. And hey, I mean, they win state championships, so there's something about it. But whenever I'm in a yoga class with the guys from the football team, none of us really want to be there. Okay, that, that's the truth of the matter, all right? 34% of the men said they, they like this thing, okay? <laughs> Beach whoopee, all right? And I believe that that number is skewed because there are many people that haven't actually done it, okay? Um, that, that, that's all I'm going to say. So when he put it all together, only 2% of the men in the universe were a match for this woman and what this woman is looking for. Only 2% and she already had him. She just didn't know it because they didn't communicate. A leading marriage counselor says that at least half of all divorces result from faulty communications between spouses. Another poll said it this way, in an era of increasingly fragile marriages, a couple's ability to communicate is the single most important contributor to a stable and satisfying marriage. So let's talk. Let's take it from Scripture and let's talk. I'm going to be in Ephesians 4 today. We'll be in Ephesians 5 next week. I want to talk about what it looks like to communicate in a marriage, what it looks like to not get stuck in the pina colada song. All right? We start here. Let's just be transparent, okay? Look, Paul in Ephesians 4, and this is not about marriage. This is about relationships. So you can take what you want from here no matter what, where you're at in relationships. The beginning of Ephesians 4, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love, okay? It's that simple. This is the foundation for the whole thing. Humble, gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love. Okay. Then he goes on and he says, here's what we got to do. We got to be transparent. We need to speak the truth in love. When we do that, we will in all things grow up to him who is the head, who is Christ. He goes on in, in verse 25 and says, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In other words, be transparent. You've got to be open and honest. I mean, for one thing, you may not even know, you may not even realize what your hopes and dreams and desires were. And this is why my wife and I are, are huge proponents of Christian counseling. We've been many, many times, we've been at different counselors for different things. Uh, I can tell you that we are where we are now because we talked about it. Because a lot of times you don't even realize this. You, you don't even realize this part. You don't even realize the expectations and the things that you have for the other person in your marriage. So you need to figure that out. And then you need to be open and truthful about it because they can't read your mind. They don't know what's going on. They need you to be honest and open. And the, the silly thing about this is many of us go to work and we have, we have, you know, strategy sessions. We have planning sessions. We have five-year goals, 10-year goals. We have all these things that we do together, and we do this in our business, and then we go home, and we don't ever do any of that same thing. We don't talk about it at all. What I'm talking about, what Paul is saying here, speaking the truth in love, putting off falsehood, is just being open and honest and communicating. It's about letting your mate know the real you, know what's going on. And then it's also about understanding who they are, becoming a student of your mate. 
Paul says in the next chapter, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Become is the key word there. Become one flesh. It's not some magic thing that happens all of a sudden at the altar when she's in a white dress and he's in a tuxedo. Little fairy dust comes down from heaven and all of a sudden you're one flesh. No, it takes time. That's why those of us who've been married a long time will tell you it's way better now than it's been before. Because if we're paying attention, if we're transparent, if we're attentive, we get to, it's just so much easier because we know what's going on. So how do they communicate? What do we like them to do? How are they happy? Swiss, renowned Swiss uh, counselor Paul Turnier said it this way, it is impossible to overemphasize the immense need we have to be really listened to, to be taken seriously, to be understood. No one can develop freely in this world and find a full life without feeling understood by at least one person. You know that's true. And even as I read that, I know that some of you are like, yeah, I, I don't have that. And, and I, I'm sorry. We, I want to help you. You need to get in a rooted group. You need to get in a small group. You need to be in relationships because you need to be with somebody who understands you. And some of you are in, are in marriages. You're in relationships where you're like, yeah, they just don't get it. This is how you end up in the pina colada song. Let's just try a test, okay? Let's try a test couple is riding down the highway, down the interstate. They pass a billboard that says Culver's next exit. The wife says, honey, would you like to stop for some ice cream? He says, no, I don't think so. And keeps driving. I, I see this has happened before in your life. They go another 20, 30 miles, depending on how clueless the guy is, and he starts to realize that she's being quiet, which may or may not be a bad thing, but, but he eventually senses that something is wrong. And so he asks, honey, is something wrong? No. <laughs> well, then, then why are you being so quiet? You know why I'm being quiet. No, I, I really don't. I said I wanted some ice cream, and you're so selfish you didn't stop. You didn't say you wanted ice cream. You asked me if I wanted ice cream. Well, you knew what I meant. Let me ask you a question, okay? Show of hands. Who thinks it was the man's fault? Raise your hands. Who thinks it was the woman's fault? Gentlemen, all, I mean, the, that was just completely gender specific. I don't know if you realize that or not. And, and truthfully, most women would think that husbands should be more perceptive. And most guys are like, just tell me what you want. Don't make me play custard games. I don't know how to play custard games. And women are typically more intuitive and more sensitive to how people feel and men are not. There's a new book out. Women are from Venus and men are wrong. This is how it goes, okay? <laughs> Guys, listen to me, though. It's, it's easy to dismiss this. Like I just, you know, just described the scenario and go, well, I'm not a mind reader, you know. But next time that happens and there's a question like that, I, I want you to go. I want, I want a light bulb to come up on in your mind and go, I heard a sermon illustration once. <laughs> Hang on a second. Um, I don't know. Do you want some ice cream? And you get ice cream instead of ice wife, which is a win-win. Do you see how easy that is? This is wonderful. 
It's so simple. We need to let others inside of our world, but we have to be willing to get inside of their world also. James says, be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. Obviously the last one, but quick to listen and slow to speak. The proverb writer said, do you see a man who speaks in haste? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Effective listening is what we're talking about. Being transparent and being alert. This is about listening. And the problem is, when we start to get into these conversations, when we start to get into these times where we're we're talking about the more important things, you know, when we're starting to talk about money and all these conflict issues and, and the gloves are starting to come out, what do we do? We're usually not listening because what are we doing? We're focusing on what we're going to say next, right? I mean, at least that's what I do. Um, and I'm just going to admit to you, um, my wife is in here, I'm just going to admit to you, I am terrible at this. I am a professional talker. <laughs> I am a terrible listener. So, so the key to this is by asking questions. Start out easy. Do you like pina coladas? I mean, that's a conversation you could have today. And then you can advance on to things like, Hey, what can I do to make you feel more important? How do you think life is going to look for us 10 years from now? What's your biggest challenge? How can I help you? My wife always has a chat pack in her purse. And the people that, that produce a chat pack are related to some people in Parkview. I think good, good advertisement, okay? Chat pack, you can get it on Amazon or wherever you want. It's a simple little box of cards that are questions. Like, you know, who was your favorite your favorite uh, teacher in high school, one of the questions. Just gets you talking about things. Because a lot of times, we'll get to a restaurant, we'll get to some place, and we'll have some time, and, and, and we're just like, okay, what are we going to talk about? I know, let's just, let's just get some questions. Because sometimes, we've talked about everything in our life. We've been married for 35 years. We were with uh, Randy and Roseanne Frazee uh, a couple of weeks ago. Randy is the one who wrote the story and, and many other books. And they invited us and a couple of other couples to come and hang out with them for a few days. And, and we got to do that. And um, they, they talked us through. Uh, Randy's got a book out called Real Simplicity, Making Room for Life. And I'll put this on social media this week so, so you, have, you, know, you, you, can, you can have an easy way to get it. But in this, in this book, Making Room for Life, Andy, uh, Randy had kind of studied the Hebrew calendar and how God set up the day and how God did all these things. And he figured out the importance of family dinner. And man, this is something that we don't get today. So we practice doing family dinner the way he outlines in this book. And so what they did all of their life with their kids when growing up is they would get family dinner. And family dinner would be, you know, maybe hours long. It wasn't something that you just did for 15 minutes while you were watching Parks and Rec on on Netflix, which is what we do. Um, It it is like you're going to take some time and you're going to talk about some things. So what you do is around the table, ask the person, how was your day? Just that simple. How was your day? And they chronicle their day. I mean, they just go through their day. Because a lot of times you get to the end, you're like, I don't know, I don't, whatever, doesn't matter. So they chronicle their day. And, and you can interrupt them to ask questions about it. And at the end, then you're supposed to rate your day. Uh, one, you know, being bad and 10 being good. How was your day? Oh, it was a, it was a six. Well, tell me about that. And you talk about those things because we're here as a family for you, whether you're having a two day or a 10 day, we're here for you. And the other, the only other rule is the person can't be corrected at the table for what they share. If there's something that you're like, wait a minute, it's a red flag for me or that doesn't sound good, you deal with that afterwards. Right then at the table, you're just having a conversation about what's going on in their life. 
And it could go on for hours. And, and, and wouldn't that be a great way to solve the pina colada problem? Number three, be alert because conflict is going to happen. One comedian said, my wife and I are inseparable. Last week it took four state troopers and a dog. Many of us are guilty of letting feelings fester, right, and sweep them under the rug. Some of us are just like, blah, I want to get it out. I'm going to deal with it. But some of us let it sit there, and we don't take the time and the energy to deal with the conflict and the things that are going on. So what happens is over the course of time, things begin to fester. Here's what Paul said. He said, do not let in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and don't give the devil a foothold. When we, when, we, when we let it lie and we don't deal with it, we're not being transparent at all, okay? So we've got to be alert to the fact that things are going to go on, and we need to figure out how to not give the devil a foothold. If you get a splinter in your finger, you know that you can decide to leave it in there if you want. You know it's going to hurt to dig it out, but you know that if you decide to leave it and don't do something about it, it's going to get infected, and it's going to be worse. And the same is true when it comes to our relationships. And Paul is saying, you got to find the right time to deal with the sensitive issues and talk about the tough issues along the way. Just living in this peaceful la-la land thing is not going to work because there's going to be conflict. Because your hopes and dreams and desires are not the same as theirs. And, and the expectations they're putting on you are not the things that you thought were going to happen. And there's a lot of other things that are going to come up along the way, so you've got to learn to talk about it. And, and I want to say this. I mean, Paul's saying, don't let the sun go down on your anger. He's not saying stay up all night and fight. He's saying make sure there's a time and a place where you set up a side of time where you're going to deal with the conflict. My wife and I have a hard, fast rule that we do not have serious conversations after 9 o'clock. We just don't do it. We're not, we're not going to, if we're having a, a rough night, if we're having an argument or whatever and it starts to get late, we're just like, okay, forget it. We'll have lunch tomorrow together. We'll have dinner tomorrow and we'll talk about it when we're not so tired and crabby. That, that's okay. What he's saying is make sure you don't just let it slide. Be alert. Get, he goes on. Get rid of bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander along with every form of malice along with every form of malice, okay? Be kind and compassionate to one another. And here's a key, forgiving one another. Well, how can I do that? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. It's be transparent, be attentive, be alert, be encouraging. Let's finish up there. Well, how can I be encouraging if we're talking about our troubles and our, and, and, and our thoughts? No, that's part of being transparent. Let, let, me, let me go back. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. But speak the truth in love and grow up into, into Jesus. Put off falsehood. Speak truthfully to one another. Be united to your wife. Become one flesh. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. In your anger, don't let the sun go down. Talk about it. Deal with it. Resolve it. Get rid of the bitterness and the, and the rage and the anger. Be kind and compassionate to one another and forgive one another. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. And then 
the finality of the chapter, you get to the end of the chapter, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up. Well, does that mean this? Yeah, no, it does mean this. It means having all of these conversations, only what's helpful for building each other up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who have listened. It's about being encouraging more than you're being critical. I love this. Paul Powell said, many a person has created a marital grave through a series of small digs, right? What it should be is constantly offering up words of affirmation and encouragement. One man was asked the secret of his long, happy marriage. It was his 50th anniversary, and, uh, and they asked him the secret, and he pulled out his pocket watch. I wish I would have done this for my son-in-laws. He said, you see this pocket watch, you know, with a flip-up top on it? And he said, my father-in-law gave this to me on our wedding day. Father-in-law gave it to me on our wedding day, and I've carried it ever since. And when you flip it up, inside it just says, say something nice to Sarah. Every time he opened the watch, he was reminded to say something nice to Sarah. I hope, I hope I'm answering this right. I hope the reason that our 35th anniversary it's no big deal, and we didn't need to, like, go on some special trip or do some special thing on that exact time. Is because we have a relationship where we do this for each other all the time. The problem is if you're not encouraging, if, if you're not communicating well with your spouse, then, then Valentine's Day and birthday and anniversaries and those things, you better knock those out of the park, okay? Because you, you've got some making up to do. But it's a way better deal to stay out of the pina colada song if you're constantly having these conversations. If you're transparent, if you're attentive, if you're honest about your stuff and you're attentive to their stuff and you're alert to the things that are going on and you're encouraging, say something nice every day. I posted this pic on social media yesterday um, with the uh, Tim and Denise 1984 pic, and then this is our family pic from Thanksgiving. And, and I, I, I wrote, come and learn four easy steps to get from here to there, from there to here this weekend. Um, it was completely sarcastic. <laughs> you have no idea how hard these steps are. You have no idea how hard it has been to get from there to here. When we walked in in February 11th of 1984, when we walked into this relationship, we both had these going on. And we thought the other person was going to meet them. And the other person didn't really realize that that was what was going on. And we've had 35 years of trying to figure out how to deal with each other's hopes and dreams and desires and to help each other and to learn to communicate better. And I've already admitted to you that we've still got a long way to go. But 35 years later, I can tell you, talk to somebody who's been married a long time. My parents are getting ready to celebrate their 60th next month. Isn't that crazy? Talk to somebody like that and, and ask them, was it hard? And they're going to say, oh, yeah. I'm going to tell you nothing in my life has been more difficult than that picture. Built churches, you know, written books, I've done, you know, a lot of things in my life, and nothing compares to the difficulty and the amount of work that we have put into our marriage. And nothing possibly could have been worth the work that we've put into our 35-year marriage. It's worth it. You just got to understand that it's not going to be easy. Let's pray.
God, I pray for those who are listening right now. It's hard to have this conversation knowing that some people uh, are not in that relationship anymore. Maybe it's their reason. Maybe it's the other person just, just left. I mean, I don't know. I just know there's a lot of pain around this subject. And, and I wish that we could just avoid it sometimes, honestly, Lord. But I know that I, I, I want to encourage those people that are in the Pina Colada song right now. I want to encourage them to get back out there and, and to put the work in, to, to, put, to be transparent, to be attentive, to be alert, to be encouraging. To, to communicate, just to talk. They may be married to the point, to the 2% person that they were supposed to be married to all along and they didn't even realize it. Maybe they're not. Maybe their spouse doesn't like pina coladas and yoga, and that's all good too because we just have to have those conversations. And Lord, most of all, help us to realize how much it costs you to be in a relationship with us. And how you're always forgiving us and you're always helping us even though we are woefully inadequate of your love. Give us the strength. Give us the strength to love. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.